This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Hello, college basketball fans, and welcome to the Primetime Podcast. My name is Ricky Widmer, and as always, I'm joined by the one, the only, Brandon Swanee Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And Brandon, we've got a complete, and I mean complete, basketball podcast for you guys today. Not going to be talking any football. I know that the LSU story came out about how LSU's basically broke and that LSU could, the football team could cease to exist. But looking into that, Brandon, basically it's the state has no money. So we thought that with basketball season where it is right now, there's bigger stories in college basketball. But we both can say, as living in Illinois, we feel you, Louisiana. We feel you. I feel your pain. I do. (laughs) To to impersonate former President Bill Clinton. But we've got some. We're going to be talking Kentucky Wildcats. We're going to be talking Villanova Wildcats. And then some bracketology towards the end of the podcast. And Brandon... The thing with Kentucky, and I don't know if it was just watching them this weekend against South Carolina, but since losing to Kansas and then on the road to Tennessee, this is a team that has won three straight, has blown out each opponent in Florida, Georgia, and South Carolina. They still got a lot of games to play. But the thing that I'm thinking right now is, is Kentucky getting momentum at the right time heading into March? Well, I got to first start off with something that I've been wanting to say all night is I got to say, I think it's a record (laughs) by John Calipari getting tossed out of the game 136 seconds into the game. Mm -hmm. Coach, way to go, buddy. I love the enthusiasm. And yes, Kentucky is getting hot at the right time. Currently number 14 in the AP poll. Not sure where they're falling in ours. Make sure you check out. The video that Ricky Widmer will be putting up for our rankings, but they are getting hot at the right time. You just mentioned the teams that they, the games that they just won, the teams they beat, Florida, Georgia at home, and on the road at South Carolina. I think that those wins are huge. I honestly think that Calipari getting tossed out just shows how he wants to spark his team, and he is for his team right now. This is a team that everyone thought at the beginning of the season, towards the end of the beginning, mm-hmm. people are looking at Kentucky going, this is nothing like it was last year. Well, and, and you're I mean, right. It's not a darn thing like it was last year. No, it's it not. It might be more dangerous come tournament time. Well, and the coming into the season, the big thing everyone was, maybe it was because of last season and with how dominant the Wildcats were, but Scalabissier was supposed to be a big piece, hasn't been as big of a piece stat-wise, only about 7 points, 3 rebounds per game in 16.8 minutes per game. Really the big guys at the top have been Jamal Murray, Tyler Ulis being the leader of this team, and I mean... It's just a different—this is not what we are used to Kentucky being. Kentucky, for the first time, doesn't seem to me like, oh, you know what? These are just a ton of freshman studs that are going to come out right away. I mean, Murray and Euless, of course, 
are well, Ulysses is a sophomore, Murray is a freshman, but we have you have Alex Paltrice, who's a senior, and Scalabissier along with Murray as a freshman. But it's not like the here's the starting five of studded freshmen that are all going to come out together for Kentucky. It's a little bit different this year. Yeah, I think we have a pretty good group, though, here in Kentucky. And, and I think that we really saw some of the best out of them on Saturday at South Carolina. And to start things off, it was a little back and forth in the very early goings of the game, but then Kentucky, of course, able to pull away for the victory. But I, I I like the different group of guys, the different core of guys, it seems like, than what we saw last year with Kentucky. And I, I said before your comments, Ricky, is that I think this team may be more dangerous this year, and it's because last year so many teams, every team that played them was gunning for them. Mm-hmm. Who can give Kentucky... It's first loss. Who can do it? Who's going to be the team? We want to be the team. We want to be the team. This year, Kentucky's flying more under the radar. Predicted right now in Joe Lenardi's bracketology is a number four seed in the East. And I think that because they're flying under the radar and they're not like what they were in the forefront last year, they have more of an opportunity, more of a shot to, I think, go even farther than what they went last year in the tournament because of the fact that people aren't looking right now at Kentucky. They're looking Mm -hmm. at all these other teams. Who's held the number one spot? They're looking at Oklahoma. They're looking at Kansas. They're looking at Xavier, Villanova, all these other teams. Kentucky's starting to get lost a little bit towards the bottom. This is kind of how I look at Duke this year. A lot of people, I think, have written off Duke. Ah, they're not going to be much, a 7, and 8, whatever. I just don't like Grayson matter. Allen. That's Here, the only thing with me and here's, Duke. Here's the thing, though, is that so many times we've seen Duke as a 1 seed, a 2 seed. They make it to maybe round 2. They don't do anything past that. I said to a, I was talking with a Duke fan earlier mm-hmm. this week. I said to him, you know that you guys are in the best spot you've ever been in. You know, you know that, right? And they said, yeah, we are. Because when you go in as a seven, you go in as an eight seed, you have a much better opportunity to go farther well, you can compare, than, these, than some of these higher seeds you that can, they've had. You can compare Duke in a way to Kentucky because they've got, to me, with Duke and with Kentucky, it's same song, different dance is how I'm describing it because – with Duke, who was their best player last year? The number one player who came out got drafted by the T-Bulls. A little bit of a point guard that I wish the Bulls would have drafted. Last name Jones, I'll give you that. Oh, Tyus. Tyus you, Jones. Did you say number one? No, I said... Oh, he, I thought you said drafted went, number one. He was, I'm like, no, uh, he was their number yeah, one Ty, player yes, last Tyus year. Jones, yes. I mean, Winslow did great too, but Tyus Jones was the number one for Duke. Yes. This year, your number one player is Grayson Allen, so that's why... I think Duke is no at not at the top of the rankings because Grayson Allen isn't the same thing as Tyus Jones. Is Grayson Allen good? Yes, but it's a different kind of good. With Kentucky, it's a totally different team. I'm comparing this. I saw a headline today that said Kentucky in similar spot as it was in 2014 season. And I looked it up, Brandon. Right at this point, it was their game on... Saturday, September 5th, or February 15th, 
They had just lost a 10-point contest to then number three Florida. Since that game, they were 19-6, and 9-3 and three in the SEC. They finished the season losing only three more games, going 22-9, and 12-6 in the regular season, made it to, they won two, lost one in the SEC tournament. In the, as an eight seed in the men's tournament that year, how far did they go? Do you remember? That was the year they upset number one Wichita State or one seed Wichita State. They beat two seeded Michigan, two seeded Wisconsin. They lost to number seven UConn in a very special game. They made it all the way. Do you remember how far they made it? All the way to the championship. I was going to say they went all the way to the championship because yep. this was what, 20. 2014. 2014, yeah, absolutely. I remember watching that game. This was the UConn-Kentucky when, back when they had Dakari Johnson was their center. They had the Harrison Twins. Paul Thrice was on that team still. Wooly Wooly Cully-Stein was still there. They're in a similar situation as that year. They're sitting with the same record, can come out with the same exact record, maybe a little bit better because in 2014... They still had to play number one Florida one more time, and they lost to South Carolina and Arkansas, whereas this year, Tennessee's already beaten them once. Texas A&M, we don't really know, and Florida, they're not the same Florida team. So besides Tennessee, Texas A&M, and LSU, Kentucky's in a really good spot this year to maybe sweep the rest of their games and go into the SEC tournament with a only six losses on the year. I was just going to say that I think that's one thing that that I personally was overlooking. You know, I go right to the 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 tournament, the big one. But I, you know, sometimes overlook that conference tournament as well and if Kentucky makes them a nice run there, which I I just don't see them not being able to because right now the the team that that may be most competitive within their division within their conference, pardon me. LSU. LSU. I mean, I don't fear South Carolina. I certainly don't fear Texas A&M, who has shown to be a pretender. I do not fear a lot of these other teams. Florida, mm-hmm. maybe. They, they have some, they've had some spots this year where they've looked good. Their win against West Virginia. But uh, other than that, I, I'm not scared of any of these teams. I think Kentucky shouldn't be either. I don't think they are. And Kentucky has a really good shot of being able to win that conference tournament. I just don't see them not being able to get at least to the championship. There's only one game that could be upset worthy with Kentucky. And this isn't an opponent that I'm scared of. It's an opponent that I got. When you come in Saturday, February 27th, if you're the Wildcats, Coach Cal has to have his boys ready to play. And that's the 27th when they go into Vanderbilt. Because Vanderbilt's a team that has kind of snuck in some wins late. The one that I'm thinking of is over that pretender team that you mentioned in Texas A&M. But they beat Texas A&M. Yeah, they lose to Old Miss. But they have some quality wins over a Tennessee team that beat Kentucky. They've beaten Florida. Yeah, they got blown out by Texas, but that was a non-conference game. This is a team that's kind of picking up some steam late and that's the game for Kentucky where I'm like if you're not if you come in and try to overshadow and say whatever we're gonna win this game Vandy could be the one to upset you 
I think Kentucky, the the loss, though, that they have to look at and go, man, we played well. We put it all out on the floor. You know, just a couple weekends back on the road at Kansas, they lost 90-84. to I remember you and I saying what a great game that was. Kentucky, though, they can they can play with a top team like Kansas. You're good. Mm-hmm. You stick with them, you're good. And I, I, I think that... Kentucky the rest of the way, like you said. You said Vanderbilt is a team to to watch out for. But I think the rest of the way, like you'll also agree, Kentucky looks pretty good to win the rest of its games. And right now with Kentucky, where they fall in Joe Lenardi's current bracket, is there a four seed? Right now he has them fourth in the East. So some other notable teams in their bracket, number one Villanova, fifth seeded Texas, West Virginia's in that bracket. Maryland is in that side of the bracket. So with Kentucky, it's not a complete same song, different dance. Because, yes, the year that I brought up, they were an eight seed. But this year, they could be a four seed. Yeah, I think you're right. I I think that they have a really good shot right now of being a four seed, keeping it, like I said earlier and you just mentioned, too. That's what Joe Lenardi has them right now as a as a four seed in the East, and I, I just if they do not lose again, they lock up a four seed for sure, if not possibly better. Final thing to talk about here with Kentucky, it is the sophomore phenom Tyler Eulis. In this past month, Ricky, you know he has been dominant. He's averaged about twenty one points a game. He's looking at seven and a half assists, and he's made 17 of 45 threes. Against South Carolina, 27 points, 12 assists. He only turned the ball over one time. This kid has been too good. He has been really, really good. Well, and my biggest thing with Tyler Eulis, and it was the announcers were talking about this during the South Carolina broadcast, is he's developed into kind of an extension of Coach Cal on the court. And as a coach, especially in a young player, and I know in basketball, college basketball, because of the one-and-done rule, you usually get that, you don't get the, okay, he's an extension of the coach, unless we're talking about a junior or a senior. Usually it's freshmen that go out there, Ben Simmons, they come in, they leave. They come in, they leave. Derrick Rose, he's in, he's gone. That's what we usually get. And to get this sophomore who is like, okay, I am going to be an extension of my coach on the court. And against South Carolina, that was important because, like you said, not even two minutes into the game, Coach Kale decides I'm going to go crazy on the ref because I'm not happy with the physical play down low of them not calling fouls against the Gamecocks that I'm going to get myself tossed. So even though Coach Kale was not in the game, he was kind of there with Euless being present in that game, being that extension on the court. Here's a quote from Calipari on his Saturday ejection. They've proven that they don't need me, and I love it. John Calipari. Oh, as a coach, that's what you want to see. That is the epitome of Calipari and his team. That's what you want if you're a Kentucky Wildcat fan is you want this team playing like they don't need Coach Cal out there. But like you said, this is why I brought it up because it wraps right around into what you were saying. 
They don't need him right there Mm -hmm. because they've got him on the court. They've got him there in a guy like Euless to lead the team as just a sophomore. They have the energy that their coach brings. They've got it. Calipari has instilled it in them. And then when they see their coach taking one for the team, sticking up and standing up for them, you know, it doesn't take much for the team to go out there and fight for him. Well, and another thing I'm going to throw out there is we've been talking about March and the tournament, which is coming up. The My favorite time of the year is coming up. And the number one thing, there are two things I look for in teams come March. Guard play and how well you shoot the three. Because those are the two things that are most beneficial. Think about the Baylor team that I want to say Baylor, like last year or two years ago, what did they do very well? They shot the three very well, and it kept them in games. And R.J. Hunter from last year, terrific three-point shooter, pulled off the upset for Georgia State. So three points and guard play. Kemba Walker, Shabazz Napier, Derrick Rose, some of these Russell Westbrook, some of these guards that are coming into your head that have had some great kind of March Madness moments. Why didn't Adam Morrison get all the way? Because he wasn't a great guard. Because he never cut his hair. And because he cried. And he had the mustache, the gross-looking mustache. I, I, I think that the reason that he didn't, the, for the sheer fact that he didn't cut his hair and he did not get rid of that mustache— <laughs> There was a lot of bad energy, mm-hmm. a, a lot of bad juju, all locked, locked up in there, and all he needed to do was cut it, and it would have flown right out. They would have won it all. But, uh, you know, I, I think but that— But my point was that Ulyss being a great guard is going to help Kentucky in March Madness. And i got to be honest with you, Ricky. I am surprised you did not say defense. Well, I mean, with defense—March well, Madness, it's always late. I think of it's always about that last two minutes, especially when the game is close. And what's the most important part? The guard play and the three-pointers. The defense is going to come, but really it's, okay, we're down by six. We need our guard. I need my three-pointer to make a few shots, and that's why we get so many of the last-second shots to go. I mean, you think of the just the 2014 season that we talked about, that championship between UConn and Kentucky, the guards for Kentucky that year, the Harrison Twins and James Young, the guard on the the two guards on the other side that we are talking about, Shabazz Napier and Ryan Boatwright. Forgot about Ryan Boatwright until I just saw his name on there. Those are the guys that usually we talk about late in March are the guards that just pick it up for their team and take off. And Ricky, you know... It is just like you to talk all about the offense. Yep. You tell me about the defense minded through and through. No, we're going to leave it right there. But we're going to move on to our next topic here on the podcast. And it's a topic we've mentioned before on a past podcast. And it, I feel like we're bringing it up again only because. The, the This team, Villanova, the Wildcats, number one in the country this week, still in the AP rankings. Spoiler alert, 
If you have not seen them yet, they're not number one in ours. I'm not going to tell you where they fall. You got to watch the video for that, but they're not number one in the MVP rankings this week. And Brandon, the question is as simple as night and day. Why is Villanova not getting any respect as a title contender? Number one team in the country, you're usually saying, oh, they're the one that's going to win it all. But not this year. People look at Villanova and go, no, they ain't going to win it. I think it's because people know better. People just know better. We've seen Villanova, you know, do this little dance. They go on this little run. They get at the top. And we all know what happens. Nothing. Because they don't go anywhere. And that's why I don't think outside of probably Villanova Wildcats fans, for any of you out there, go ahead and and tell me why I'm wrong. Please let me know why I'm wrong. I'm interested to hear because you may have a perspective that I'm not looking at. But for me, Villanova, not to say that they're a pretender. They're not a pretender. Not, Not in the Big East. You don't have to be that good to be good. But I think that... They are not a team elite enough, and they I just I don't think they've really had enough big wins. They lose to Oklahoma when Oklahoma was seven. They lose to Virginia when Virginia was eight. They beat Xavier when Xavier was six. They blow them out. They beat Butler at Butler when Butler was 18, one by five. They lose to Providence. Close one, but they lose. Then they beat Providence on the road. I just don't think that there's enough big wins there. I mean, in Providence right now, 7-6 and six in the conference, 19-7 and seven overall. I mean, they're ranked 23rd in the AP poll. To me, Villanova, really, in, in, in my recent history of, let's say, four to five years, has not really done anything significant has not done anything significant for anyone to look at them and go Villanova's at number one Mm -hmm. man they are they're gonna hold this number one spot and they are gonna keep going and going and they're gonna be really good and they're probably gonna win the tournament I don't think there's too many people who have those words come out of their mouth Guess what happened to Villanova the last time they were a number one seed? And I'll, I'll give you a hint. It didn't happen that long ago. Please. Last let year, me know. they were a number one team. Only lost three games. So they can sweep, win their conference tournament, have the same amount of losses that they did last year. They beat Lafayette in the first round. Great. You beat a 16 seed. Then they play eight seeded North Carolina State, and they lose 71 to 68. Boom, they're bounced out in the second round. 2014, they come in as a two-seed. Oh, might be a little different. Bounced in the second round by seven-seeded UConn. 2013, they come in as a nine-seed. Lose to number eight, North Carolina. 2011, is it going to be a little different? The nine-seed again? Nope, they lost to eight-seeded George Mason. 2010, They come in as a two-seed. They lose in the second round to then 10th-seeded St. Mary's, the Gales. 
The last time they made it to the Final Four, 2009, when they had, I'm like, okay, who did they have at the time? They had a guy called Scotty Reynolds, another guard play that helped them get to the Final Four. Who did they lose to? Oh, just Psycho T, Ty Lawson, Danny Green, Ed Davis, Tyler Zeller, and the Tar Heels in the Final Four. The year before that, they lose to Kansas in the regional semifinal. That same Kansas team that went on to beat Derrick Rose and Coach Calipari in the national championship. So the last time they went anywhere in the tournament past the second round, 08-09. Last Final Four appearance was in 2009. When, yeah, they beat some pretty good teams, but they ended up losing to North Carolina. And it's been a while since 2009, Brandon. It's been quite some time. And see, that's what I'm talking about, though. In my comments in the beginning, that's what I'm talking about. Villanova, they... Their recent you know, history they, is get get bounced early. They, for the most part, end up having a pretty solid season. But is that really what matters in the end? It's what do you do when you get to the tournament? Because you could be, you know, 30-0 and 0 at the end of the regular season. But if you get into the tournament and you're bounced right away, what does it matter? What does it matter? So I think that that is really big for Villanova. But, but they could put a lot of their critics to rest if they finish out the rest of the regular season strong and if they go far in the conference tournament and if they can make some noise see, come March. See, I don't even know. Like The conference tournament, maybe, because then you could get another shot at Providence being a ranked team. You can get another shot at Xavier. The only game right now that they have that's guaranteed that means anything to me is at Xavier because that's a ranked opponent. But when you're number one, it's all these games, you're sitting there going, we can't lose because it's a bigger upset to lose than if we won. Because being number one, you're supposed to win every game. It's you see one versus eight. Well, if eight loses to one, okay, that was supposed to happen. So you just stay where you are. The thing with me, that's the there's two things why I'm not high on Villanova. Number one, we said it, recent history. The last one, two, three, four, five tournament appearances for the Wildcats. They have lost in the first round twice and the second round three times. They have never made it past the first weekend of March Madness. No six, Sweet 16s, no Elite 8s. God forbid we talk about Final Four or a national title. The second thing, and this goes especially for this year in college basketball that hurts Villanova, is the parity. A team that comes in and you're getting bounced out earlier and earlier each and every year, you see a year like this with all the parity that we've seen, there was a question that I saw on ESPN where they asked, could this be the year a 16 finally beats a one? And of course, Joe Lenardi was like, well, 
you know what? I'm not going to give an answer because I've got you've actually got to see the matchups to say whether or not a 16 will beat a one. But God forbid a team walks in like, let's say, leader of the who cares division like Chattanooga. They're supposed to win their conference. Well, they don't win their conference tournament. So another team steals it away from them. Those Chattanooga fans are not going to be happy that you called their division the Who Cares division. Well, I mean, let's be honest. We're let's not be looking... honest. I couldn't even name their division, so the Who Cares division is going to have to count right now. We're not looking at Chattanooga as being a dominant team in the tournament, but for for Villanova, you want those surprises in the conference tournament. You want that team to surprise, and Chattanooga still gets a spot. And they take us. The, the other team takes a spot away from, let's say, a Florida State. But if Chattanooga like sticks to form, and I'm using them as the example, if a team like them sticks to form, wins their conference, and you get like a 16 seeded Chattanooga going up against Villanova, that's where Villanova will have a problem. It's going to be how strong are the 16 seeds? And this year, Brandon, they could be pretty strong. Joe Lenardi's Bracketology right now, number one seeds. He's got Villanova as a number one in the east, Oklahoma, the west, North Carolina in the south, and the Jayhawks from Kansas, the Midwest division. Ricky, out of those four, I know Villanova fans are just going to pile on the negative comments here, but Villanova, I think, the weakest number one out of all of them, with I think the strongest one, even though they haven't gotten them yet, is Oklahoma. Oklahoma yeah. has been unable the the to beat Kansas, why, but yet I think Oklahoma is the strongest one. The reason why Villanova is maybe not the weakest. I would say ranking these four number fours, I would go... Four number ones. Four number ones. Number one would be Oklahoma. Number two would be North Carolina. And then number three and number four is where I'd say, okay, now let's have the debate of either Kansas or Villanova because there could be justifications made for having either Villanova three or four because there have been times where Kansas hasn't looked that great unless they're playing Oklahoma. Now listen, now listen here. <laughs> unless this is, they're playing Kentucky. Now now listen here. There, this is coming from someone who's a North Carolina fan. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about this year, not based on their history of what they what they usually. You're talking aren't. about how Villanova we said what they have. Been. So we're, we're we're talking about Oklahoma number one. I think Kansas at number two, North Carolina number three, and Villanova number four. We've seen North Carolina really falter this year. I've seen them falter. They lose against Notre Dame on the road, but they lose on the road to Notre Dame earlier in the week. They had lost against Louisville. They, that was not a good week for North Carolina. They lost on the road at Texas early in the season. They have lost some games that people will look at and go, North Carolina should not have lost these games. And they probably shouldn't have. This but is that the, year of parody we've been talking about. the other about. team, Texas and then Notre Dame, both played a great game. But North Carolina has not looked all that strong at multiple times this season. And you mentioned it. It is the parody. Mm-hmm. We've seen it from so many teams 
1 through 25, but then even those teams who aren't 1 through 25 have probably been in the top 25 at some point this year or are darn close to being there. And that is scary for the teams towards the top when you look into March. And I'm going to circle the wagons back to Villanova because that's the meat of this discussion has been. And you brought up the bracketology. They are a number one seed as of right now. Looking at their region, I wouldn't be happy if I'm Villanova. Because right now, Bucknell or Wagner, if either one of those two are playing Villanova in the first round, I'm sitting there going, okay, fine. Villanova's going to get past them. They'll do it. It's fine. But then the next game, okay, either Michigan or Connecticut. They can do it, but that's going to be a tough game. Then if they get to the Sweet 16, there's a possibility of playing Texas or Kentucky. I don't want to play either of those two teams if I'm Villanova, especially Kentucky. I mean, Texas, you might be able to beat them, but Texas is going to be a dark horse. They're a dark horse for me. They were a dark horse at the beginning of the year when I surprisingly picked them to go to the Final Four. Then, God forbid, you get to the Elite Eight. Oh, then you get Utah, West Virginia, Providence, Maryland. I don't like my, and except for maybe Providence, I don't like my odds against those teams either. Then the Final Four, you get the other number one seeds in there. But if they have a region anywhere near what Joe Lenardi has them in right now, we could see Villanova, oh, cool, we got to the Sweet 16 for the first time in forever. Sweet. Oh, Kentucky, bonks you on the head with a rubber mallet and you fall back down. We could see that happen. It's very possible. It's very, like very possible. very cartoony that, that... where the wildcat comes in, hits you with the rubber mallet, and you birds <laughs> flying over your head and you fall off the mountain. Uh, yeah, you know, it's... Um... It's not out of the realm of possibilities, that's for sure. I think that we're just going to have to, you know, I'm going to get <laughs> I'm going to give the stereotypical answer. I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. So, let's watch. And Brandon to end the podcast, what we're going to look at is we're going to do a little bracketology, but we're going to do it a little different than we did last week. Last week we had a little bit of confusion. What did we talk about in the podcast compared to the video we came out with last week, we talked about the last four in at the time for Joe Lenardi. But instead, this time, we're taking a look at CBS Sports, what they had, and their last four in, two of the teams that they had in the tournament right now, LSU and the UConn Huskies. And I had the great idea of, let's say it's down to one final team. To get into the tournament. It's a showdown between. Usually they do blind resumes. But in this case. We know the teams. That we're looking at. We've got. On the left hand side. The LSU Tigers. 16 and 9 overall. 9 and 3. In the SEC. Which is second. As of right now. Comparing. Over on the right side. The UConn Huskies. 18 and 7. 8 and 4 in the American. Which is fourth. In that conference. Brandon, the question is simple. Who gets into the tournament as of right now, LSU or UConn? Well, it's really not as simple 
as you think. Because both of these teams, Ricky talked about it. I think both of them, you have to take a look at where they are within their conference. And LSU, they are right up there at the top, second. UConn, fourth. LSU at 9-3, and three, UConn at 8-4. and four. And then I think you have to really take a look at their top wins and their top losses. And people out there are going, hey, yeah, no crap. Of course you got to look at those. But I really think that you have to take a look at the opponents. So for Kentucky, it was Texas, Tulsa, and Michigan were their big wins. For LSU, it was Kentucky, Texas A&M, Alabama. I think that when you take a look at these two teams and you see who's got better wins, I think that I'm giving it to LSU. They beat Kentucky 85-67. to and they still got one more matchup to go against the Wildcats, too. I think that's that's the big win. Here's the thing I look at. First thing I look at is, okay, in each bracket, and by bracket I mean like the ranked teams, between 1 and 50, 3 and 4 for LSU, 3 and 3 for UConn. And the losses to me is what I look at most. Oklahoma, Texas A&M, South Carolina and Florida for LSU, Maryland, Syracuse, and Tulsa for UConn. The majority of those teams for LSU in that loss column were higher ranked than Maryland, Syracuse, and Tulsa. Maryland being the highest one at six in CBS's RPI. So I'm giving the nod there to LSU. 51 to 100. 3 and 2 for LSU, 3 and 4 for UConn. Yet again, I'm looking at that losses and to this one I'm giving the nod to UConn. The reason being out of the four losses that UConn had in 51 to 100, here were the rankings of those teams. 56 Gonzaga, 60 Temple lost to them twice, 63 Cincinnati. On the other side, LSU, 90 Houston, 94 College of Charleston. I give it to UConn because the majority of those teams are all ranked higher than 90 and 94. So I know the wins for LSU are higher ranked than UConn's wins, but when you're losing to 90 and 94, that kind of weighs a little bit more than when you're losing to 56 and 60. It's a 30 ranking difference. And then when we go 101 to 200, UConn a perfect 6 and 0, LSU 5 and 3 where they have lost to NC State, Wake Forest and Marquette. To me, I've got to give the nod slightly to UConn just based off of who LSU has lost to. Now UConn, the biggest thing that's keeping them in 6 and 0. They're basically if we put it all together, they are 12-0 and 0 against everybody ranked 101 and beyond. If you are higher than 101, 
we are perfect 12 and 0 against you whereas LSU is 10 and 3 and those three losses I know that NC State Wake Forest is a big one like Wake Forest to me you got to beat Wake Forest and if you're losing to Wake Forest there's something wrong there that's why to me I look at the losses and I got to narrowly give it to the Huskies of Yukon too many bad losses for LSU I don't narrowly do it it's it goes to it goes to Connecticut too many bad losses well, and it's for not... for LSU. You've got NC State that was ranked 109th, Wake Forest 115th, and Marquette 116th. Those uh, and and you said you said Wake Forest. You and uh, you know Wake Forest is not good at all. They stink, and they lost to them. LSU, they they may find themselves in the tournament, but Kentucky. Excuse me. We've been, we both said that. We both said that before we we uh, went on for the segment. We both said Kentucky because we looked at UConn and wanted yeah. to say Kentucky. But Connecticut, they're going to be the team that gets into the tournament. They've they've just they've done better. They've absolutely done better. They have not lost the games that they shouldn't lose. See, and this is, LSU has lost games they should not lose. Like anything to me, LSU. Anything lower than, I don't know, 51. Like, the teams that, just looking between 51 and 100, Vandy, Georgia, and Old Miss, like, the one of those teams would be the ones I expect you to lose to. Not Houston or the College of Charleston. And if you want to be a for-sure tournament team, you've got to, and I'm telling you, you have to beat teams that are 101 and above. It's It's got to happen. I'm going to just say it this way. Here, Here's a blind. We're going to get into blind resumes starting next week. Here's a blind resume for you. You ready, Brandon? Just one. This team, 51 and above, they are a perfect 16 and 0. Against teams. If you are ranked outside the top 50, a perfect 16 and 0. They've got three losses inside the top 50 against Oklahoma, Virginia, and Providence. Just with those three losses, I gave away the answer because we talked about them on this podcast. Whose resume did I just give you? I don't know. I was not paying attention at all. Second team we talked about. What was the second team we talked about today? After Kentucky. Villanova. Villanova. That's a team, yeah, I know they only have three losses, but all of their losses come within the top 50. And if you're outside the top 50, 16-0. and 16-0. I could do that with other teams, too. Give me a team, Brandon. Any team. Chattanooga. Chattanooga. You've been on, you've been on the Chattanooga I, train today. I was expecting a team that was for sure going to be in our tournament bracket but sure I, i'll hit you up with a little little chattanooga knowledge for you i did that to be annoying okay here's chattanooga for you their resume <laughs> outside the top 100 they have three losses to uh Furman, louisiana monroe 
and Western Carolina. Oh, those are some way, big teams. Way, way worse <laughs> losses than LSU. <laughs> However, inside the top 50, they're one and one. They lost to Iowa State. They beat Dayton. Hey, how about it? 51 to 100, they beat Georgia. So that's a team where it could be on the up and up, could be uh, sneaking into the tournament there. But, of course, it's not as major. It's, but it's not a lock. It's, it's not, not a lock. lock that they're getting into the tournament. It's not a lock by any means. But, yeah, LSU, to me, the big thing for them is you just lost some bad games. You lost some bad games, and Brandon's sitting there laughing. But, but, but going I back, I was going not expecting back to you. Though, I wasn't expecting you, you to give me the mock. You think they'll be a bubble team? You think they'll? You think they'll be one of the last they, four they in? Could be, they last could be, four out. They're going to be in if they go ahead. Right now, they're the number one in the Southern Conference. That's where they are. They're twelve and two in the Southern. They'll be an automatic bid if they win the Southern. They could be an automatic lock and at large bid for the tournament. Just because they won the Southern. Well, Chattanooga fans don't ever say we didn't do nothing for you. Yeah, we talked a little Chattanooga mocks basketball here on the Primetime Podcast. A mock? Like a a, a paint? Uh, oh, that's a smock. That's what it no, is. No, they're the Chattanooga mocks. Uh, Some, somebody at home look that up for us and let mock. us know like a mock what draft. a mock is. Maybe like a mock. The Chattanooga fakes. The Chattanooga fakes. It's M-O-C-S. But that's going to do it for the Primetime Podcast this week. I want to thank you guys for checking us out, giving us a listen. If you're listening to us on SoundCloud, hit that repost and that little heart button. Also, hit the follow button to stay up to date with all our podcasts on SoundCloud. If you're on YouTube, hit the like and subscribe button so that you can stay up to date not just with our podcast, but with the videos that we're putting out each and every Weekday, you can follow me on Twitter at Ricky Widmer. Brandon is at Young underscore Swan. Nineteen most valuable podcast is at Most Valuable Pod. Also, I'm going to throw it out there. Bookmark Most Valuable That's where everything goes. So if you're like Ricky, SoundCloud, YouTube, this is too much stuff. Just go to Most Valuable It's all going to be there for you. Or iTunes. Or Ricky iTunes. always We're forgets the iTunes. On iTunes. We're in a number of spots. No matter how you listen. We're in a number of spots for you to where you can catch us. I want to thank you guys again for listening to this week's podcast. But as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.